and welcome to the week 17 edition of the Megabot here on the lines. Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy coming to you. And boys, I do want to talk a little bit as we kick things off here about Thursday night. If you are watching this, if you have not yet subscribed, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. It's free. Also, everything we do is absolutely free. And of course, you want to be part of the countdown to 50,000 in which we will be doing a awesome giveaway for everybody that's a subscriber of the channel. So let's go to this and, and listen, This we don't have to talk about the Jets. We know what the Jets are. The Jets stink. But let's talk about what does this mean from a future standpoint with the Cleveland Browns. Adam, I'll start with you. And, you know, they were able to do that against a formidable Jets defense. Now, the Jets defense is not as good as it was at the beginning of the year, but still a good defense without Amari Cooper. Um, I look at the Browns and depending on who they get in the playoffs and, and weirdly enough with two weeks left, there are still some things to shake out here. They might be an interesting bet on team given how they have completely shifted offensive philosophy with Joe Flacco under center and kind of the emergence here of welcome back from the dead, David and Joku, Elijah Moore now somewhat relevant. And of course, Amari Cooper's a stud who's always been a stud. You know, I think when we get to playoff time, what we're going to be looking for is do you have something that is such a matchup problem for the other team that they can't overcome it? And I think the Cleveland defense that you didn't get into as much, but I think is as equally as important as this offensive resurgence is one of those things. There's another team that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast that I think fits that mold as well uh, on the other side of the conference equation. So now as we talk about this Cleveland team, Look, the problem for me in terms of being able to look at them long term is the fact that Flacco gives and takes and you're going to get the interceptions with Flacco and we've had the turnover worthy plays and the interceptions from him and you just don't have that kind of margin for error come playoff time. That being said, did we think this offense would even have this much juice? No, not at all. And that makes Cleveland live because of the defense. Yeah, Steven, I didn't like how they uh, got really sloppy in the second half on Thursday night. That was a little bit of a problem for me after looking so incredibly clean in the first half. And I get it, more went down, and maybe that threw things kind of clunky. They were already without Cooper. But, uh, I mean, Joe Flacco didn't even hardly complete a pass in the second half. And so that is at least a little bit of a concern for me. But, look, there's at this point, you made the playoffs. You can rest Amari Cooper as long as you need to for him to be healthy. Moore will eventually clear concussion protocol. Maybe not this week, but he will next week. So you're likely heading into the playoffs pretty healthy with all of that. So the handicap is kind of is predicated on the fact that they're probably going to be healthy on the offensive side of the ball heading into the playoffs. So at this point, I have taken a couple of AFC championship long shot tickets here on the Bills weeks ago at like 13 to 1. And I have nibbled on the Browns at 20 to 1 here. And What's fascinating to me is like the the Browns are playing like the old Bills and the Bills are playing like the old Browns. The ones really run heavy and the others really pass heavy and it's the opposite of what you think it would be. But from a pricing standpoint, what's interesting is that even though both of these teams are going to be wild cards and have to go on the road to try and win the AFC championship, the Bills are five to one and the Browns are still sixteen to one. And I would argue at this point, I'd rather take the shot on the passing offense because of their ceiling at this point and I can't believe I'm saying that about a Joe Flacco led team in 2023 but that's where we are so I think they can absolutely win the first wild card game against whoever wins the AFC South uh, 
And then it really just comes down to, I don't know who they're going to play in the second round because the Bills are obviously live to also win a playoff game, which would potentially put the Browns in a divisional match against Miami if that happens. So if they can avoid Miami, because I think their pass rush would be mitigated by how quickly Tua gets rid of the ball. I hate that matchup for Cleveland. But if they're facing Kansas City or Baltimore in the divisional round, I very much think Cleveland is live here to get to the AFC title game. I would really like to bet Cleveland with the points at some point. I would like to bet them as an underdog come playoff time. So we'll see how that all yeah. faces out here. All right, let's head to Saturday football here. Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. This is all over the place. There are There's an expensive four and a half on the Cowboys all the way out to a cheap six in the market right now 52 52 and a half is your total Steven this was one of the hardest hit games that I have seen in quite a while it just sat at six nobody touching it and then yesterday flies down as low as four in the market rebounds a little bit now we're starting to see some of the money come back in on the Cowboys I don't know if this was some sort of pump fake by a group out there I don't know what exactly was going on but it wasn't based off of injury news it wasn't based off of anything like that it was just somebody decided to wait till later in the week when the limits got a little bit higher and then really hit the Lions pretty hard it has rebounded now so you can get as high as a six if you want the Lions you can still find as low as a as an expensive four and a half if you want the Cowboys what do you see here on Saturday football so I'll I'll preface my bet with that I have traditionally been pretty poor at like recognizing spots, right? With the Lions here coming off of a division championship, their first in 30 years, and the Cowboys looking to rebound off of a couple of tough back-to-back losses on the road. So I'm, I'm not great at that. Nevertheless, I still bet the Lions here six because I thought it was a big number. I'd still be fine betting it at five and a half. And to me, it's about this Dallas defense. And they have had a month now of playing actual offenses with a pulse. And for all of the railing we've done against the Lions defense in the past month or so, I think we now have to give the same criticism to the Cowboys defense. In the past month, in those games against Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Miami, in that span, this defense is 27th by EPA and 30th by success rate. And it's not a pass or a run funnel defense either. It's just bad everywhere. They're 30th in drop back success rate and 30th in rushing success rate. You want to go bigger picture since week eight. So second half of the season, 29th in overall success rate, 21st in drop back success rate, 31st in rushing success rate. There's actually a decent argument to be made at this point that the Lions might actually have, I don't want to say a better, a less worse defense. So Add that to Hankins is out again at defensive tackle for the Cowboys. Lions might be able to run it down their throat like the Bills did a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if Tyron Smith is playing for the Cowboys, but if he's not, my God, Adoga was horrible last week. I don't know if they're going to trot him out there again, but like if you watch that Dolphins game, multiple snaps where he just decides, I'm not going to block Bradley Chubb and try and get Dak Prescott killed. Like I don't know what the hell that was, but... If Smith is out again, it's a major problem. Uh, never, Even if Smith plays, I, I think this is too big of a number, even with the spot. Adam, uh, we're, we'll talk about props, obviously, just as they kind of come along in games. And we've, you know, ones that we brought up here on the pod, I think have, have resonated pretty well and, and have gone pretty well whenever we try to identify different little things. One of the things that did jump off the page to me that just seemed, 
I get it, right? I mean, I, I know that the secondary for the Lions gives up chunk plays, and I, I know that there's a chance for them to be had. C.D. Lamb's prop is like sitting peak like any NFL receiver in the history of the game. We're sitting 98 and a half yards for C.D. Lamb in this game. Uh, I just bring it up because while he could certainly go for 130 in this one, for me, typically, just on principle, when we get to close to 100 yards on a, any sort of prop, I, I just bet the, there's so many things that can go wrong, right? I mean, game state, injury, uh, all, all the different things, the defense deciding to key on you, whatever it might be. Uh, there's so many things that can go wrong with something like that. So I do at least want to point that out. What do you think here on the side and the total? I'm leaned toward Detroit, but I'm not going to play that. The Detroit defense is enough of a question mark and brings enough variance into the game that I don't want to get involved in that. Uh, in terms of the total, it is the year 2023, and the total is up around 52 and a half, 53. If that is the case, I'm going to be blindly looking at under, and I think there's a reason that we're at the point where this is just starting to rebound this late in the season, right? Defense is starting to wear down a little bit, but there's a notable trend here that actually puts me slightly the other way. Uh, the Detroit defense, for as bad as the Detroit defense has been, they actually, especially over the second half of the season, but really for the whole season, they've actually been pretty decent against the run. And it's all about the pass against this Detroit defense. Now, what you said about CeeDee Lamb makes sense to me, but right now I'm looking at Tony Pollard, 57 and a half rushing yards, and seeing that this Detroit defense by both rush EPA against and by success rate against is a top five unit in the league. And if you think Detroit is going to be able to score at all, you probably think that Dallas is going to have to throw the ball a considerable amount in this game. Now, I understand when you factor in Tony Pollard there, you're looking at Rico Dowdle's health and the question marks around him, whether or not he's going to be able to go. But ultimately, I'll pass on the game. If there was one way I wanted to get in, it's probably on that Tony Pollard under. Yeah, uh, I think Dowdle already ruled out in this one. It, for, for me, I, I look at this, and guys, the reason I lean towards the under as well in this thing is because, uh, Stephen, to your point, particularly from a Dallas standpoint, the run defense has been pretty shaky for a while now for a big enough sample size for us to think that it's not just noise. And you do have this kind of two headed monster there with the lions that Dan Campbell is going to be fine. And Ben Johnson are going to be fine to deploy. If that is the easiest path to victory in this thing, we know we have seen games in which they have had, an incredible amount of touches between the two of them. And then the other thing is like the middle of the field for Dallas is kind of, if you look at their, you kind of look at the scatter chart here of where they're weakest and like the middle of the field is, is weirdly kind of where they are super weak. And so now you've got Amon Ross St. Brown running stuff out of the slot, get over the middle, Sam Laporta running stuff over the middle. We also know that those over the middle throws are typically higher percentage throws as well keeping the clock running, if you do keep those completions going. I I understand this could be a shootout. I get it. I I understand the rationale for people wanting to look at the over on this. I just actually have a pretty strong lean towards the under because I think the path of success for the Lions and then even on the Cowboys side of things could be one in which the clock just continues to run and these defenses might be able to hold up just enough once we get down to the red zone that some of those sevens become threes and, and 53 is just a a high-ass total in, in today's NFL. 
I agree with both of you. I would never touch the over when it's this high in this state of things in the NFL. Um, I agree with you in, in the rushing game handicap. I also just mentioned, you know, we just saw last week what the Lions can do if they're going to get pressured a lot. They faced Flores, who blitzes more than anybody else in the NFL, and they fed Amon Ross St. Brown 14 targets. He caught 12 of them for 106 yards and a touchdown. So uh, volume, not efficiency, because he only had 8.8 yards mm-hmm. per catch. But that he's their blitz beater. He's yeah. great in short area quickness. They feed him. Um, so if, if Dallas is going to pressure and send guys, Michael Parsons and company, they have somebody that can beat that as well. So that's another reason why I like the points here with Detroit heading over to new year's Eve, Las Vegas Raiders and the Indianapolis Colts. This is three and a half across the board in favor of the Colts at home over the Raiders. 42 and a half is our total Adam. If we take a look, if we take a look this one, this is a Raiders team that to be fair, has played much better since the coaching change, has certainly at least looked like they have some sort of offensive identity, even though, weirdly enough, that offensive identity doesn't feature Devontae Adams. But, hey, the results speak for themselves. Look much more like an actual football team in the NFL. Colts at home here looks like Pittman, who is now cleared concussion protocol, is going to go. Jonathan Taylor, a full go as well. So we should get the full Colts experience from an offensive perspective. But it is on the other side of a field goal. It is. And I do not want anything to do with the side in this game. What I do really like in this game, maybe one of my favorite plays of the week, is the total under 42.5. Look at what happened with the Raiders last week and look closely before you... Uh, decide that the Raiders are a team that could be live to score points here. Six of them on offense last week. Six. Aiden O'Connell has been the 31st out of 32 quarterbacks in composite EPA per play and completion percentage overexpected over the second half of the season. The other side of this, you might say, okay, well, Pittman's active. Gardner Minshew has been able to work well with Shane Steichen in situations like this. He's going to have Jonathan Taylor available to him. Let me read you some stats here. Second half of the season, defenses. Number 10, the Jets, 9, Denver, Atlanta, L.A. Rams, Baltimore, New England, Cleveland. The third-rated defense by EPA per play over the second half of the season has been the Chicago Bears. The number one has been the Miami Dolphins. And the number two defense by EPA per play, second half of the year, has been the Las Vegas Raiders. And they have been exceptionally good against the run. Max Crosby is not going to get consideration for Defensive Player of the Year, but he absolutely should, considering what a singular force he's been on this defense. So I see a weak Raiders offense that only put up six points last week. On the other side, I see an Indianapolis Colts defense that is going against an underrated Las Vegas side. I don't want to deal with trying to figure out what the turnover variance will be in terms of the spread in this game, but under is a strong look. Yeah, Stephen, I I don't know if people, because there's really been no real reason to pay attention to the Raiders of late, realize how good this defense has been playing. It's like, it's one of those things where you, if you had not bet on a game that involved the Raiders, you probably didn't really watch a game that involved the Raiders. And so you didn't realize that this defense has actually been, as far as at least EPA per play allowed, over the course of the season, a top 10 defense overall, which is just odd to say uh, about this squad. So you, you can buy into at least what Adam's saying here from a, from a total perspective because 
you don't expect much out of the offense and the defense has been actually standing up pretty good. I'll, I'll take it a step further. They're number one against the rush as well. And we know that Steichen wants to run the ball here with Jonathan Taylor. Won't have Zach Moss in this game, but I, I think that this is going to be a matchup issue for the Colts. And, you know, generally speaking, I would have probably given Adam a rebuttal on the under here because the Colts have been mostly an over train this season. However, they had the game against Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago that had a fluky over because Mike Tomlin called a meaningless timeout at the end of the game. And Steichen basically said, F you, I'm kicking a field goal. And that got us to the 43 we needed. Uh, last week against the Falcons, they did not get to the over because the Colts offense was terrible without Michael Pittman. This is starting to tick up a little bit on the over. We were at 41 and a half. Now we're at 42. I'm guessing with more Colts interest on the over as we've seen a lot of the season if we got the 43 here i'm probably with adam on the under here just because of you know what we've seen with this defense and what we know that the raiders offense just cannot move the ball i mean 62 yards passing last week in a win like you're gonna have a hard time finding more more instances of that in the past couple of years here just a very a very fluky win last week for the raiders yeah there was a point where they did not complete a pass for two hours of real lifetime. Like you could have watched the game. To. You could watch the game in two hours of real lifetime and they and like they did not complete a pass in in an NFL game. So there's and it's I felt know. bad for all the kids that were watching the Nickelodeon broadcast on Christmas and yeah. realizing that this is actually some of the football that's in the NFL. It's probably it probably drove them to like watch other sports. I would be tempted on the Colts if it was a flat three, but now that we've gotten to the three and a half, I, I missed the. Th I, yeah, I missed the three, and so with that, it's just going to have to be a pass for me. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes we miss the bet that we're trying to make, and that would have been the bet that I wanted to make. The Colts aren't good, right? Like, the, yeah, we no, really not a good team. No, no, Falcons and the Bears. This is sitting two and a half to three in favor of. The Bears at home over the Falcons, 37 and a half to 38 is your total. Uh, Steven, I'll go to you here. The Bears defense, another one of those that kind of under the radar been good. If you haven't been betting the Bears or if you don't, you know, dig into the advanced stats like some of us do, you probably hadn't noticed. But yeah, Bears defense been fairly decent here all year long. And if you look at the offense, it's 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 been better. We can just say that I mean, it, it's it was so god awful at the beginning of the year that it could only go up so there's something to be said about that but it's been better but the question is 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 it so much better that you would be willing to have them have to win by a field goal or more against any team in the nfl well wasn't a problem last week against the cardinals for starters but the falcons are at least a little better than the cardinals um, I would I say will a little, tell you that yes, a little, yes, <laughs> a little, yes, yeah, a little. <laughs> Hopefully, not a lot, so we can yeah, get Art yeah, Smith yeah. out the door yeah. here. But I, I will tell you, Eli Hershkovich and our sister pod beat the closing number. Has bet the Atlanta Falcons. You can hear his handicap or, or read his column on the site for reasons why he's had a very successful season betting. But I will disagree with him on one point here in this handicap: the premise that this would be selling high on the Bears if you bet on the Atlanta Falcons, because it is my opinion. And I think a lot of us, I think all of us here would probably agree with this, that the bears were basically just 
not rated properly to begin with in the past couple of weeks. So even though this is a more expensive price, I would argue this is more closer to what the Bears should have been rated in the first place versus selling high on them. And I think the market agreed with that over the past couple of weeks. The books kept opening numbers and getting pounded with Bears interest the past few weeks. So I think this is actually closer just to where the Bears are supposed to be as opposed to you know an expensive price. And now that we've gotten some interest in the Falcons at three to move this to two and a half, I am on the fence here in considering betting the Bears. You know, it's not like the Falcons have been a very good team on the road this year. They've actually been pretty horrible. So never really excited to bet Matt Eberflus to have to win a game outright. But I, I, we've been talking for weeks about how improved this defense is. Justin Fields looks better. I'm I'm tempted. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm tempted on Bears under three here. Yeah, Adam, this is one of those classic things. And obviously, if you guys are taking the time to watch these videos and listen to this podcast, you're you're well aware of what key numbers are and you're well aware of how much they mean. But, you know, just the extra emphasis on three. And Adam, I think there could be two different handicaps almost in this game, which is why I think it's just a pass for me, which is. I think there's a case to be made for the Bears at under three and maybe a case for the Falcons at three. And so when it's such a key kind of pivot point for me and stuff like that, where I could feel like I could make compelling cases for both sides, depending on what number you wanted to to get in this thing, then I think it's probably something I'll just pass on. But, I, you know, look, two and a half is way, way, way different if you want to back the Bears. And three is way, way, way different if you want to back the Falcons in this thing. Yeah, so I make this game Chicago one and a half, but the problem for me is that I look at this and whether it's three on the Falcons or whether it's a two and a half that I would want to push out on a teaser leg to eight and a half, in order to bet the Falcons, you have to have some sort of feel for what they're going to do offensively. I was wrong on them last week, and I was wrong on them for the right reasons, because first of all, Michael Pittman didn't play for the Colts, but... On the other side of this, and more importantly, Arthur Smith somehow found Bijan Robinson in week 16. Yay! Congratulations to you for finding Bijan Robinson in week 16 after taking him number seven overall. 12 carries and 10 targets. Finally, a rational sense of how to use the best offensive weapon that you have. If all of a sudden they're going to start calling a more efficient offense, then Atlanta is live. But if they're not, then do you want to be anywhere near this team against a good defense in Chicago? So the game's a pass for me, but right now when I look closely at the Chicago Bears, I am heartened to at least see that this team appears to be on the come up for Bears fans because it's been a long, hard road if you, if you like the Bears. And this, to me, feels like the beginnings of whether you decide to stick with Fields or whether you go with Caleb Williams, you're going to be in a good spot going forward. Yeah, it's a, it, it, to me, it would be a teaser leg or pass because I just, and it wouldn't matter which side this number was on, right? Like if, if neither one of these teams are winning at margin. And so it's kind of like for me, if it was, even if the number was flipped, it still would be a teaser leg any way that you look at it. Cause I don't have any confidence in either one of them winning at margin. And I agree with you entirely, Matt. The problem yeah. is this particular, this might be the worst teaser week of the, of it, it, the entire oh, it season. Is, it is for sure. It is for sure. There's, there's literally only two other options that you can kind of go with and, Neither one of them are are great, but uh, I'll 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 talk to you all about a teaser a little bit later here and see if that's not one that we can make into a teaser leg. Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is down now to six six and a half, so it has come off of the seven. It has come off the six and a half at a bunch of places, down to six. 
37 and a half to 38 is your total. So Adam, when we look at this thing, we know what's kind of like going on here whenever we're what we're looking at this handicap. It's like, okay, you've got most likely CJ Beathard. It was two DNPs in a row for Trevor Lawrence. It is now a new week, a new injury. It was the ankle, then it was a concussion, and now it's a shoulder. Can't imagine they're going to throw him out there in this, which is such an incredibly critical game, and have him playing at what we can only imagine is 60% at best. So um I think we're gonna get CJ beat hard. And um if that's the uh if that's the case, then uh I went ahead and played the Panthers at seven. Um I know the seven isn't available anymore. I think still even at six, I would look in that direction. The Jags defense has been ungood over the last half of the season, which I don't know if it like has jumped off the page to a lot of people because there's just been so beat up. But since week 10, the Jags defense is 27th in EPA per play allowed. They are 29th in success rate allowed. They let the guys drop back 25th in drop back EPA allowed. Like the defense has just been atrocious. And so with all of that, I went ahead, held my nose, and played the Panthers at seven. I think I would still do the same at six. What say you? Let's play this out in a little bit of uh, discussion here, Matt. If if the idea is to take the points with the Panthers, what's your game script? Pan, you know, uh, Jacksonville 13-10, Jacksonville 16-10, something along those lines. Because to me, if you're going to say that you're on the side of the Panthers – you have to believe it's the Panthers' defense against this uh, against this Jacksonville offense. I know you're talking about the Jacksonville defense being bad, but unless we are to believe the one half of football that Bryce Young played in the second half last year, uh, this last week, I should say, still hard for me to get behind this Panthers' offense. So if you're going to play Carolina, to me, I say go all the way and play the money line on Carolina and take this to something where you think it's like, a slop fest that Carolina wins 10-7, 10-9, 13-9, something along those lines. You also could play under in that case and probably be a little safer than playing Carolina. But right now, looking at about plus 220 on the money line on Carolina, if you think Jacksonville is down, to me, you think Jacksonville is down hard. And I don't see where they are able to get a whole lot done against a Carolina defense that the advanced numbers don't love as much but I do think they are on the come right now. The Panthers defense over that same time frame, 21st EPA allowed, uh, EPA per play allowed, 18th in success rate allowed, 18th in drop back success rate, 16th in rush success rate. So they are a better defense over the same period of time as the Jaguars defense. And I actually played a prop in this one as well. I took DJ Chark over 23 and a half rush slash receiving yards. Uh, this is a pass funnel defense when it comes to the Jags. They defend the run pretty well. They are horrible against the pass. They average, they allow nearly 260 passing yards per game. And Chark has, over the last three weeks, I don't know if they're just trying to see what they have in him, whatever. Maybe it's just like, hey, nothing else has worked, so let's just try and force this. But he's he's out there basically every single snap. He's running around on 81% of all dropbacks and Coming off an eight-target game in that last game, um, 23 and a half to me seems pretty low in one in which I think the Panthers' only real chance for any success here is to is to have to throw the ball. So 
Uh, a couple different plays for me in a game that I would have never guessed that I was betting, but I took the Panthers and I took an over on DJ Chark. Uh, what are you looking at here, Steven? Matt, just for the record for everybody, we're recording Friday afternoon. We don't have official news that it's not Trevor Lawrence, right? Correct. We All have right. not gotten their last uh, practice report for, for Friday yet. Yeah. And for the record for everybody, I don't care. I'm I'm with these guys on Panthers plus seven. If it's Lawrence trotting out there injured, it doesn't matter to me. Um, if you I look, almost weirdly kind of hope it is. And I know that yeah, seems I mean, weird, but like it's an ankle injury, which affects mobility. It's a shoulder injury, which affects throwing and his brain just got scrambled a week ago. I mean, like, I'm kind of like, I, I almost would rather have the injured star. Than, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd almost rather have the injured star than like the healthy backup. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I I'm wouldn't be upset about it, to be honest with you. And this has been a below average offense as well for the Jags, not just the defense. The offense has been below average since Lawrence has been stacking up these injuries. And, you know, I will push back a little bit on Adam on Bryce Young only playing well for a half against Green Bay. Again, very small sample size, but for what it's worth, even the week before when he was playing in that downpour, he wound up as the number 14 quarterback by EPA and CPOE composite for week 15 and a top 10 success rate. So even though they didn't score a lot of points in the conditions, I thought we at least saw some signs of improvement. And last week was confirmation for me that there was further improvement for Bryce Young in this offense. So um, love the points here. And I'll take it a step further. If the Jags lose this week and the Colts beat the Raiders, which is likely, and the Texans beat the Titans, which is likely, at least by the numbers right now, the Jags can't win the division next week. And the futures right now in the division for the Colts and the Texans are plus 350 and plus 400. Please don't but steal it, my Houston handicap. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Enough. We're still talking about Jacksonville. Thank you. We are. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, the. the the fading the Jags to not win the division is very live right now. And if you money line those three scenarios, you get six to one as opposed to division futures on one of these other two. So it's just, it's just a thought as a, as a guy who is a slave to numbers, I'm going to fully admit that this is nothing more than like my incredibly subjective eye test thing. But like the last month, I feel like it took way longer than we thought, but I think, I think things are clicking, starting to click a little bit better for Bryce Young. Like I, I, I again, this is, this is a subjective, nothing more than eye test stuff, but it's while it hasn't, as you mean, like why it hasn't always equaled points necessarily for the team. It does look like there's a little bit more confidence from him. He's throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. He averaged a career high last week, as far as like pushing the ball and average average up the target and air yards and stuff. And so, you know, I don't know. It, it's again, that there's nothing to back that. That's just my eye test type. Stuff. I, I, hold hold on guys. Hold on. First of all, that's a Joe Barry defense last week that has been playing terribly. We are two weeks removed, two of them, two weeks removed from a 13 for 36 for 137 yards for Bryce Young. I know I've been the anti-Bryce Young guy on this podcast, but it feels like we're probably overreacting a little bit to a little sign of hope in what's been a miserable season for him. Sure, but he's playing the Jags defense this week. That's yeah. the point for me. Yeah, I mean, if we're that's if we're not the point the you made a minute ago, the point you made is that you started that you see some signs of life for Bryce Young, uh, including oh, in a game oh, okay. where me, they won nine rephrase. to seven. Let me rephrase. Wait. 
signs of life of not being the nut low quarterback in the NFL anymore. <laughs> not not a not an average quarterback. Right. Just not right. the worst. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, it is. It, it's it's. I mean, if if the if the point is like it's a it was a bad defense he played last week. Well, you're getting like w- literally the third worst defense over the last half of the season that right. he's getting this week. So no, I, I, and that, I'm. Right, and and I'm not. We're past the point of talking about the handicap on this game. We're we're to the point of talking about Bryce Young in the aggregate. And look, maybe he ends up being just fine in the long term. But it's we're searching here a little bit, I believe. Yeah, important point, Adam. Important point. I I do not have optimism long term for Bryce Young now. All of a sudden, I just think that he's just not the worst in the world at the moment. I would, I would challenge any quarterback in the NFL to step into that. To, to into that offense and try to show me success with absolutely That's no fair. dudes whatsoever around him and horrible play calling and all this stuff like that. But and anyway, that's, that's for another podcast of us arguing semantics of, of whether someone is or isn't playing better when we don't have anything to back it up with all that. Uh, New Orleans saints and the Tampa Bay bucks. This is universally two and a half now in favor of the bucks at home over the saints saints getting money. In this one, Stephen, uh, 42, 42 and a half is the total. Uh, I'm going to go against the line move here. And I, when this dipped all the way down to two, I took the Bucks at two. It's kind of another one of those deals. It's a different handicap at two than it is at three. So I can understand if someone wants to make the case for the Saints at three as opposed to me making the case for the Bucks at two. But let's go ahead and get into the game as it sits right now. It's two and a half in favor of the Bucks at home over the Saints. I'm right there with you, man. I bet the Bucks under three here as well. And thank you for all the people that want to continue to bet the Saints. Now, full disclosure, I bet the Saints to cover four and a half as dogs last week, and it blew up in my face. I'm done. I'm out on this team. I'm out on Derek Carr. And you two, maybe more than anybody I've heard all season, have been saying the Bucks are better than what people think. You were on the division futures early, so hat tip to both of you for that. I'm late on the bandwagon here, but I think under three is just fine. Now, if you look at the advanced metrics of these two offenses, they're they're pretty close. They just do it in different ways. Over the past five weeks in particular, the Bucks are number nine by EPA. The Saints are number 19. But on success rate, it's the Saints who are number 14, and the Bucks are number 21. So the Bucks are more explosive but less consistent, whereas the Saints are more consistent but less explosive and even if you look at pff grades and advanced qb numbers believe it or not Carr and baker are are pretty close over the course of the season but to me this is just my my opinion i think the saints have built this resume on the easiest schedule in the nfl and it should be looked at as very disappointing that this is all they are because their seven wins this year are against the titans the panthers twice the patriots colts Bears with Bajan at quarterback and the Giants. And this is all they have to show for it. It's pathetic. And the Bucks on the mean on meanwhile are on the come up here. They are ascending and getting hot at the right time. And Baker's playing his best football of the season. And we know that Bowles wants to establish the run until the until Armageddon. And they've had a couple of good matchups the past couple of weeks that have allowed them to do that. We'll see if they can do it against the Saints because since the bye week, the Saints are 10th in rushing success rate defense, but they're susceptible to big plays. They're 25th in rush EPA defense. So I think there's enough here to like the Bucks to sell high, not sell high, but you know, just 
just dismiss what the Saints have put on paper this year with an easy schedule and and take the team that has played better against better competition this year in the box. Adam, it was it 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 could have been worse. It's a little the scoreboard's a little a little wonky, but uh, it, nice little win last week betting against this Saints team with the Rams. I did it again this week. I will continue to do it. This Saints team is a fraud. I've been screaming this from a mountaintop since the beginning of the friggin' season that there's nobody on that team that can do anything with the current way that this game, with the current way the offense is being called and cars limitations. And you know, as well as anyone, cause you covered uh, the Raiders here in town and stuff like the thing about cars. Yeah. He still checked down Charlie, which is uh, like the reason everyone hated him for the Raiders, but he still checked down Charlie for the saints. But then when he decides to throw the ball down the field, he throws it to the other team. Like he makes the like stupidest decisions when he actually does try to push the ball down the field and do anything from, from an actual, like, let's gain chunk yardage standpoint and all that. And let's just say the gross part out loud. Baker Mayfield, in the year of our Lord, 2023, is a top 12 quarterback in the NFL, given the state of the quarterback position in the NFL right now. It is what it is. Angry tweet me if you want to. He's a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. He's played like it all season long. It would not surprise me, just like I said last week, if the Bucks win this at margin. So, I'm going to pass on this game, but the only reason that I'm going to pass on this game is I'm deep enough in already with Tampa at minus, uh, excuse me, at plus 500 to win the division. We talked about this, what, maybe five, six weeks ago when I was saying yeah. when this thing was turning into a morass of mediocrity that Tampa was the right way to go here. They have the inside track at this point. You guys have the handicap right on this from my perspective. I'll talk about Baker Mayfield in particular because I, that's the biggest reason I have been saying for weeks that Tampa's going to be okay this year EPA per play here are the quarterbacks that Baker Mayfield has been better than throughout the season he has been better than Trevor Lawrence he has been better than CJ Stroud he has been better than Lamar Jackson Geno Smith Joe Burrow Justin Herbert he has been the same as Patrick Mahomes I'm not saying it's all because of him but it's not as though Baker Mayfield has had a lot of help from his play calling right we talked for half the season about the fact that Tampa was in love with first and second down runs that were consistently putting Baker Mayfield in third and long and having to make things happen. Now he's had Mike Evans. Now he's had Chris Godwin. That's a great receiving duo that if we want to talk about the Bryce Young discussion, you would certainly love to have those two guys and put them in Carolina. But when it comes to this Tampa Bay team, I don't know that they are necessarily a team that I think can go deep, deep in the playoffs. But when you look at this particular offense, against what they're probably going to get in round one if things play out the way we think they are in a Dallas defense that is struggling and a Philly team that is just weird overall, I don't think that they're a team that I would be against taking the points with in the first round of the playoffs. I can tell you this, if you go to the lions.com, there's a button right in the center. We talk about it all the time, the prop finder. Baker's passing touchdowns at, at one and a half. You're getting plus 125 on the over for him to throw two touchdown passes in this game. If my handicap plays out and I like the Bucks and I think that the Bucks could win this thing at margin, well, then obviously I would think that, that Baker is going to have a good game throwing the ball. Um, I think I might do a little sprinkle there on the over one and a half as well at the, at the nice plus money, right? It'd be different if this was like I'm laying, laying juice or something, but like nice little plus money on that. Seven one. of so, his last nine games with two plus passing touchdowns. Yeah, so you're getting, again, getting plus money in that one seems like a, Seems like a good EV play right there. 
Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles. This is 11 and a half or 12 in favor of the Eagles at home over the Cardinals. 48, 48 and a half is your total. Adam, um, you know, look, it's it's an Eagles team that struggles, has been struggling. Now you get kind of the, the cakewalk part of the schedule. We kind of knew the Eagles were going to struggle. If you look at that stretch of games, let's take out the commanders, but like, Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. You just kind of knew. I mean, like, it's going to be a struggle. There was just going to be a struggle somewhere along the way. Rebound against the Giants uh, last week. And here we go against the Cardinals. That said, it's all the way out 11.5 to 12. That is still a big number to cover. The only two teams in the National Football League who have played a tougher schedule, according to Pro Football Focus this year, are the Los Angeles Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals than the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't be fooled by that score last week, uh, finishing where it did with the New York Giants, because there's a Giants pick six involved in there that put that thing outside the number. So for the Arizona Cardinals, my question is this. What is the motivation in this game if they get to the point where Philadelphia is up two scores. Kyler Murray's already sick, right? They said he's likely to to be able to play in this game. What's the point in going and trying to compete here against the Philadelphia Eagles? You are absolutely already in draft season, right? You are at the point where you want to at least lock in your ability to get Marvin Harrison, if not go and choose a quarterback. I am going to avoid the Philadelphia weirdness that I've seen for a few weeks here and not lay a giant number with them. But I'll say this much about Philadelphia. If in a week when we do not have very good teaser options to have across the board, you wanted to take Philadelphia as a second leg and take them down to five and a half where you're getting under that six, I don't see this as a field goal game, right? Mm -hmm. Do I see this as a game where Arizona can get a little weird and maybe cover double digits? Sure. But I don't often recommend a teaser of the non-Wong variety. But Mm -hmm. if there were a spot in this particular week, that's where I would look. So I'm glad you brought it up. And I have been saying this, and I've gotten some people who are coming at me kind of angry on the Twitter machine. And listen, players are going to play hard. I get it. But we already hear this thing about Kyler Murray. Could it be an easy out for them to sit him? Could they, whatever? Look, they are sitting in the number two spot right now. It is paramount for this organization to lose the last two games of the season. Like, if they were to mess around and win one of these games and get out of that two slot, where it is literally a franchise-changing decision if you have the two, and it's just you get better if you have the three. Someone is going to come and want that Drake May pick, or... You take Drake May and you trade trade Kyler Murray for a boatload of extra picks. Like this is a franchise altering final two games for Arizona. And I thought Kyler might come up with a hamstring injury or something from the front office, but it seems like now he's sick. I don't know. I, I'm there's no conspiracy theory stuff going on here. But again, this is like franchise altering stuff. Yes, adding Marvin Harrison would be great getting a boatload of picks for that number two or having the option to take a rookie quarterback and trade away Kyler for a boatload of picks would also be franchise-altering as well. So, Stephen, I'm not conspiracy theorying here or anything. There's no tinfoil hats on, but I they cannot win. The, uh, they have to lose these last two games. 
You said Drake May. I'm surprised you didn't say Jaden Daniels, Mr. LSU. What about no, him? Apparently, he's going to go five to the Giants, is, is what's, you know. God willing, from your <laughs> lips, straight to the gates of St. Peter. Apparently, he's going to go five to the Giants. That's what that's that's the that's the word on the street. Go Tigers. Uh, I don't know what to do with this game, man. Like, I, it's, I will say it. it I'm not interested in Arizona because they're horrible. And all the clippings I've seen out of Philadelphia are they are pissed about the way they've been playing. Uh, A.J. Brown's not talking to the media because he's pissed about the way they've been playing. They seem pretty focused to kind of get things right here before the playoffs. So it's never Arizona. But at the same time, this defense just feels broken to me for Philadelphia. So just on principle, I don't want to lay double digit points with this Philadelphia defense either. And I'll at least push back a little about what Adam said about last week's game against the Giants. I agree that the final score had a pick six in there and that's fluky and not predictive of the future. But we should at least acknowledge that Jalen Hurts has 17 turnovers this year, and that has been a consistent problem all season. So there is that, um, but also, I mean, they weren't prepared for Ty God to come in, and they got the, they got the Ty God experience, and so you know, there's 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 also there's also that 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 came in. What happened to my cutlets? Oh, come yeah, on! Yeah, you took yeah. my cutlets away. They, you didn't they, give me any cutlets. They got the they got they got the Ty God experience. So there there is that. It's interesting. Maybe a contest play for me on the Eagles because I don't think many people are going to lay the points with them in a contest. Like I think a lot of people are going to shy away from from taking them at that such a big number. And so maybe if you're trying to be contrarian, like I am, I am chasing the money in uh, in circa millions. So it's kind of like I got to last two weeks. I have to try to figure out where is everyone going, and I have to go the opposite direction. So that's yeah. that's kind of the exercise that I have here over the next couple of weeks. San Francisco 49ers on the road at the Washington Commanders. 13 and a half to 14 is your number on the 49ers. 49 and a half to 50. So, Stephen, we thought this was going to be Jacoby Brissett. It still might be for the Commanders, but he woke up with hamstring tightness here on a Friday and is now listed as questionable. And if he can't go, they will go back to Sam Howell. I don't know how much that plays into people's handicaps. I'd certainly, if I wanted to back the commanders would much rather have Brissett out there than Howell. this offense is at least looks somewhat spunky whenever he is out there, as opposed to it looks like everyone's just kind of quit on Sam Howell. That said, uh, not knowing can't really do one way or the other. Do you have an angle on this one? I did lay it with the Niners, which mm -hmm. is typically something I wouldn't do with such a big road favorite. I'm, you know, it's a, kind of a bad thing to do long-term and betting the NFL. However, I think we have a motivated 49ers team to lock up the one seed this week, get some rest going into the playoffs. You can get two weeks of rest here if they win this week and lock it up. Um, if it is Brissett, I think this goes back down under 13. That's what we saw earlier in the week. So if you're interested in the Niners, I would just wait to see if it is. If it's Howell, anything under 14 is fine for me here with the Niners. I, I don't care. I think Washington has quit. I am discouraged by what I saw with Brock Purdy because it seems that any random week the turnover-worthy plays could turn into turnovers. But this is also one of the bottom two defenses in the NFL for Washington right there with Arizona. And the Niners, despite the turnovers, I'm not excusing them, but – they still had close to eight yards per play against that Ravens defense at halftime before the game got away from them. And 
there was no coming back from it. So um, Trent Williams looks like he's okay. He was limited in practice. It was a good sign with his groin. Purdy looks like he's good to go. So they're healthy. I think they could put up whatever number they want in this game. Adam, um, it is, it's a 49ers team that should rebound very nicely here off of the game last week. That said, it is still got to win by two touchdowns in the NFL. Winning by two touchdowns in the NFL is not always easy. What do you say here for 49ers commanders? If you are listening to this on anything faster than like one and a quarter speed, I'm going to encourage you right now to bring this down <laughs> to either even speed or one and a quarter because I don't want you to miss a single moment of what I'm about to say. It's that important. Okay, good. If you downgraded the San Francisco 49ers one iota, a half a point off that performance last week, you're wrong. The San Francisco 49ers had all of the flukiest things go against them. Oh, Brooke Purdy threw four interceptions. His arm got hit on one of them. He had a tip ball on another. And I will give you that he probably should have seen Kyle Hamilton coming on the one in the end zone. And then on the one that that he threw back across the middle of the field, that's a bad idea. However, with this team, odds are he gets away with that more often than not. Do not downgrade the San Francisco 49ers off what you saw last week. Steven just talked about the yards per play. I went back and watched this game because I wanted to see a second time, like, what actually went wrong here? Short fields and defensive help from the Ravens made that the point score that it ended up being. Frankly, I felt pretty good about getting the over in that one. I don't know that I necessarily deserved to get the over, even though the yards per play we're way up pass on this game. I don't want to get involved with trying to figure out if the Washington offense is good because we've seen games where they're perfectly able to chase and we've seen games where they completely give up. I don't want to get involved in that either way. I'll say one more thing and then I'll let this thing go. So much talk of Purdy, the MVP McCaffrey, the MVP. He's never going to get voted. He's never going to be in the conversation, but the one player that if you take him away from San Francisco, they become an absolute mid-team is Trent Williams. And we've seen it over and over and over again. He might be the single most important player to any one team's chances when it comes to who's going to win the Super Bowl. I will say, Stephen, if we do get the bump back down, because right now where the spread sits, team total is going to be 32 or 31, 32, something, something like that. So like those, obviously, numbers, 31, key number when it comes to just scores in general. If... If you get a 30 and a half, I think a 30 and a half is pretty interesting from an over on the team total standpoint for the 49ers, but we need that spread to drop back down. So just uh, hopefully Brissett is able to go and we do get this thing under 13. If that's the case, I think you get a much juicier team total on the 49ers, which will be my angle, but I have to sit back and wait and see if that actually ends up coming to, to fruition in all of that. All right, Los Angeles Rams and the New York football Giants, five and a half to six out there right now. 43, 43 and a half is your total, Adam. We know it is going to be the Tyrod Taylor experience for the Giants, which is a massive upgrade for the offense. And then on the Rams side, this just coming through here on my my machine, Puka Nakua and Ernest Jones 
not going to practice on Friday, going to be listed as questionable, McVeigh said. He's hopeful both of them play, but uh, both going to be listed as questionable, so at least something for us to consider as we uh, head into the Sandy Cap. Let's talk about what we have in the Los Angeles Rams because this, to me, is the team that is the equivalent of what we talked about with the Cleveland Browns on the other side in the National Football Conference. The Rams are really good offensively. Now, as you just mentioned, Matt, they need Puka Nakua at full health to be able to do what they do. But if you look at where the Rams have struggled this year, which games they've struggled in, they struggled when the offensive line wasn't healthy. And of course, when Matthew Stafford wasn't healthy. And of course, when Brett Rippon had to play. The only game that this team has lost in its last six was in overtime at Baltimore. They are on an absolute heater right now, and the, the thing that we thought was going to kill them, the defense, has been okay, and that's all they have to be is okay because when this offense is right, when they have Kyron Williams doing what he's doing, and when Matthew Stafford is dropping the kind of dimes that he's dropping, the Los Angeles Rams are a team that can win the NFC. Right now, you can get them at 30-1 to to win the NFC. I think that is a live bet when you look at the potential matchups for them. When you look at the only real struggle they might have is with San Francisco, which everyone's going to have some sort of struggle with San Francisco. And if you play Rams 30 to one and you can get to the point where you've got Rams 49ers in the NFC championship game, then you have a wonderful opportunity to hedge your way into some profit there by putting a big bet on San Francisco. So this particular week, I want to know about Puka Nakua. If Puka Nakua is healthy, I think you can lay that five and a half with the Rams because of this. This is Super Bowl week for the Los Angeles Rams playoff chances because they have San Francisco next week. This is where Sean McVay will leave nothing in that playbook. Everything will come out to make sure that they beat the New York Giants. I understand Tyrod Taylor is better than Tommy DeVito. That's kind of like saying that, you know, my 1984 Olds Cutlass Supreme is better than a junkyard car. It's still better than the worst of the worst, but it doesn't make the Giants a good team. Steven, uh, I think it, I think when I look at this, like the, the under six has always been attractive to me. I haven't pulled the trigger quite yet, but then now this Puka news is a little bit, at least a little bit worrisome for me because obviously when all the weapons are out there, we've seen this offense hum here over the last few weeks. So maybe it's a, let me see what they say on Saturday type situation for, for that one with, with Puka, but I have a very, very, very strong lean towards the Rams. I've bet it. Uh, now I'm a little concerned with Puka, but uh, we'll see. If he's on the field, I, I feel fine about it. I, I want to go further into what Adam said because I think it's important with the Rams. And at least for this game, let's start with the fact that since they got Kyron Williams back at running back, and I know the the Twitter will tell you running backs don't matter, but there's at least a handful that do. And it seems pretty clear that Kyron Williams mattered a lot for Matthew Stafford in this offense because since week 12 and getting him back, Stafford ranks first or second in pretty much every advanced metric across the board. The only one he is in is completion percentage over expected where he's fourth. And in that span, he has 14 touchdowns and only one interception. And that, again, included games against the Ravens defense and also the Browns defense as well. I also think that the Rams defense isn't great, but in the second half of the season, they've gone from a clearly below average defense to now in that span of week nine onward, 
closer to league average and in fact a little bit above average in a couple of of these metrics so and just hat tip to Aaron Donald as well who at his age is still the number one interior defensive lineman by pass rush win rate despite being double teamed 63 percent of the time guy's incredible first ballot hall of famer oh now to go further Matt like like maybe one of the I mean like maybe we'll go down as one of the like goat like in the goat talk yeah absolutely among among defensive players absolutely um we don't share notes before the show we we just come on and 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 talk about what we've prepared for adam you you read my mind i was going to come on and also talk about the rams futures because as a 49ers fan they are the only team i'm worried about in the nfc i'm not worried about the eagles believe it or not i'm not worried about the cowboys i'm not worried about the lions anybody else that might make it as a wild card the rams scare the hell out of me And I think it's because they only run 11 personnel, which allows Sean McVay to disguise what he does extremely well. And I think that's part of the reason that having Kyron Williams back was a big deal too. Um, 70 to one Super Bowl is interesting to me. 30 to one NFC, absolutely interesting to me. I've been looking hard at them all week. Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I think I'm going to. The only caveat I'll mention is because it looks like the Cowboys will be the five seed, which means Rams in all likelihood will be the six seed. Unless we get a crazy upset in the two seven, which I think is very unlikely. It means the Rams would actually get the Niners in the divisional round and not be able to wait out and get them into the championship game. So um, that's, that's the biggest hurdle for me in my head right now is knowing that in all likelihood, they're going to get the Niners in the second leg of that potential futures ticket. But again, it, it, it scares the hell out of me for sure. The Rams are legit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely peaking at the right time. No doubt about Matt, that. Just yep, to, yep. can I add, can I add something to what Steven sure. was saying? I just want to add this. If I want the Rams against the 49ers, I want them in that divisional round. I actually would prefer that to the NFC Championship. I want the Niners off that rust of having to not have played for a couple of weeks. That actually, to me, is a little more attractive. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, as we as we continue to roll on here, New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. This is 14 in favor of the Bills at home over the Patriots. Uh, Steven, I have one each and every week. It is the put it on a rocket, fire it into the sun. This is the game for me. I mean, really? sir, what, are we, what are we doing here? It's it's two touchdowns. The, I mean, whatever. The Bills are going to win. Good. The Bills are going to win. It's just like, but what, you know, by what score you tell me. Go ahead. you you Take it away. Because literally zero opinion on this game. I actually love this bet. I actually love the Patriots this week, believe it or not. And you two can tell me I'm crazy, I guess, in a minute here. But um, especially, I liked it at 12. Now we're at 14. I love it. A couple of things here. The Bills offense has completely changed since Joe Brady has taken over as offensive coordinator. They are not only more run heavy, they are the most run heavy team in the league over the past three weeks, which we know makes it difficult to cover big spreads, especially to win by more than two touchdowns. We also know that Stefan Diggs has not played well in that span. He's had less than 50 receiving yards in five of his past six games. So if they're going to continue to do that, and I don't know that for sure, maybe they revert back to the old bills, but if they are going to continue to do what they've been doing every week since Joe Brady's been offensive coordinator, 
it's a bad matchup for them. The Patriots are number one in the league in stopping the run across every metric. So it's going to make them less efficient. I concede Bailey Zappi is, you know, taking your life in your hands as a better here, but I'm also getting 14. So if this is going to be a slog it out, run it fest on both sides, I I love 14 for the Patriots here and just hope to God that Zappi doesn't throw a pick six or something. Adam, uh, as as you well know, I have uh, no no interest in this one whatsoever. I do wonder at that 40 total, we know that there's no weather games this week, so everything is everything is is wide open we don't have anything to really be concerned about there so if you're wondering about what the weather might be in the northeast where we seem to be here on a friday like everything's going to be fine yeah if you like steven's handicap like if you're thinking new england but bailey zappy scares the hell out of you if you think this new england defense is live then i would look at under 40 uh that's not the way i would prefer to go with this uh this is going to be the first of two games where i think a futures bet still makes more sense than playing the actual game itself buffalo is not going to lose this game i don't want to get involved with the spread but there are still places where you can find josh allen at 14 to 1 and if you believe that New England is going to lose this game, that Buffalo has the ability to show out, and then Buffalo gets into a winner-take-all game next week with Miami, then why would you not want to have a piece of Josh Allen 14-1 to in a year when there's absolutely no clear MVP? I know where Lamar is sitting right now, and you know what? I knew where Brock Purdy was sitting last week, too. And it doesn't take any more than one game going against you. And Lamar is going to have to go up against a very good Miami defense. And we will talk about that momentarily. So if you like Buffalo, my preferred way to play this would be put a 14 to one Josh Allen MVP ticket in your pocket. Yeah, there's certainly this time of year, other ways that you can go about kind of getting a same result with what you're looking for. So always be looking at, at that stuff as well. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. This is as low as three and a half, as high as four and a half in favor of the Texans at home over the Titans. 43 and a half to 44 is your total. Adam, we are going to get Will Levis. It is official now. So Will Levis is going to be out there for 
the Titans in this one. And while we have not gotten confirmation, CJ Stroud has been cleared. All indications are that he will be back out there as well. Uh, actually, uh, I believe, and you guys can double check me on this. I believe we did get the news that CJ Stroud has cleared the protocol. Uh, I think that came in this morning, but we can double check that. Okay. In any case, it is trending towards CJ Stroud playing. And for me, I, I don't want to get involved with Tennessee's weirdness. I don't want to get involved with some of the other injuries that Houston has on offense. But if you think Houston wins this game, I do think Houston wins this game. Steven started to reference this earlier when it comes to division futures in the AFC South. Houston's still 4-1 to one to win the AFC South. And if you're as down on the Jaguars as we are, then... I would want a piece of Houston at four to one. It's better than what you're going to get betting them the next two weeks, right? Even if you were to parlay their next two results and say, are they able to beat both Tennessee and Indianapolis? Then you're still going to get better on playing Houston at four to one in the division. And of course, they're in a better spot than the Colts are overall because of the head to head tiebreakers. Steven, it's a, uh, it's interesting because Levis does bring more, of a ceiling for this Titans team and variance. I think for a Titans team that doesn't have a, a ton of talent is actually a good thing for them. Um, so there is that that comes into play here. And we are not only on the other side of a field goal, but I mean, we're, we're on the other side of four at some of the shops out there. I, w I would need more to take the Titans here. Um, six I would start considering it but it's never the Texans at this point for me with Stroud coming off the concussion and to me maybe just as important still not having Tank Dell for the rest of the season the offense just is not as explosive without Tank Dell on the field to go opposite of Nico Collins and you know that just generally speaking the Texan the Texans have not won by six plus points since before their bye week in week six like they they don't they don't blow teams out they don't win by large margins so this is a this is a very expensive price for the texans with stroud coming back i do think they in all likelihood win the game um and i love i love adam's look on the futures if i didn't already have texans for middle of the season uh to win the division and to make the playoffs i'd be right there with them because i see it and i completely agree with it i want at this point i want to try and fade the jags completely even though they are facing the panthers and the titans the next couple of weeks Let's get to a game that everyone is going to be watching. Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. Dolphins head on the road as three, three-and-a-half point dogs to the Ravens. 46-and-a-half to 47 is your total. Steven, the big news here in this one is the fact that Jalen Waddell not going to be out there for the Dolphins in this one. It seems that seems to be the the case. I don't know if it's official, official yet, but it does not seem that he's yes. going to be out there. Official, official. official. Yeah. So Waddle not going to be out there for the Dolphins in this one. So you, you start to look around and yeah, Zay Flowers likely to not be out there for the Ravens either. But if we're talking about importance to a team, I think Waddle certainly is a guy that uh, you would say is probably much more important to this Dolphins team, especially considering that we do have Tyree Kill that is still nursing that ankle injury. I want to start with the Ravens here, kind of big picture. And, and Todd Furman had a great tweet this week to kind of put what the Ravens have done this year into context. They are 9-3 and three versus winning teams this season, and they've outscored those 
teams in those games by 148 points. That's tied for the best point differential versus winning teams in a season in NFL history. They could become the third team since 1970 to lead in the final two minutes of every game. The others were the 72 Dolphins and the 2007 Patriots. And they have had the most time leading through 15 games since the 2007 Patriots. Kind of amazing. And at the same time, I'm going to go back to what Adam said earlier this week about not adjusting the 49ers rating whatsoever after that loss. And meanwhile, the Ravens have had their rating adjusted up a little bit here. The the look ahead here in the opener was three. We can get three and a half here. And I feel like I'm taking the bait a little bit, but I'm going to bet Miami in this game to cover three and a half. I think, I think the hook is too much here. And there's a couple of reasons why I mentioned the turnovers not being predictive and the fact that the Niners were still able to move the ball at will. The other side here is that I think the Dolphins are better equipped to mitigate the Ravens pass rush than the Niners were with Brock Purdy, especially when Trent Williams went out of the game. Brock Purdy ranks number 24 in the NFL in the amount of time he holds the ball from snap to throw 2.86 seconds. Tua's number one in the league. He's Tom Brady-esque. He only holds the ball for 2.37 seconds. That, to me, helps a lot in this game against the potential Ravens pass rush. So I I feel, I feel admittedly feel like I might have a blind spot for the Ravens here because I keep trying to sell high on them, and they keep you know slapping me in the face. But I at least wanted to start with that context of what they've done overall as a season here and and perhaps we're trying to sell high on a team that's better than we all think they are. Adam, uh, again, it's there's a difference in numbers, and we just say that all the time, right? I mean, it is it is a it is a three and a three and a half. So shop around depending on which way you want to go with this one. I think that the total is fairly interesting too, because you basically play out a game script in your head where it's sitting at forty seven, and at forty seven you are having to tell yourself of a game in which both teams are actually able to move the ball up and down the field, which we do have two really good offenses and two really highly rated offenses, or you tell the tale of two offenses that might struggle as they go up against some defenses that have been playing very well. Well, let's dig into the numbers a little bit on that, Matt, because I do think if there's one way to play this game, it is under, uh, we talk so much about the Ravens defense and we're going to talk about them rightly after what they did to Brock Purdy last week. We don't talk as much about the Miami defense and the Miami defense over the second half of the season is number one in the league in EPA per play allowed. They are second against the rush. They are fourth against the pass. They are good everywhere, but where's the leak when it comes to this game for Baltimore, right? We know how good the Baltimore defense has been, overall but the leak for Baltimore second half of the season this Baltimore team is second to last they are 31st in rush EPA allowed they are 31st in success rate and what we know about Mike McDaniel is he will find your weakness and he will make you pay for it and Raheem Mostert and Devin A. Chan are both supposed to be good to go according to Mike McDaniel today even though both of them have been nursing injuries so Raheem Mostert right now his rushing yards are sitting 45 and a half. And what we know about this Miami Dolphins offense is that when the rush is good, the rush is explosive. It could only take him one play to get to 46 yards. I think Miami's going to lean into the run in this game. I think that is going to put this toward the under. 
I also think that I like better the idea of playing over Miami rushing props because of what has been the weakness of this Baltimore defense. I went ahead and played the three on the Ravens. Um, And for me, it was based pretty much off of the injury report for the Dolphins. I figured this thing would move through three if it went against them. So I was trying to kind of get ahead of the move. Waddle getting ruled out for sure. The other thing that, you know, we talk about a lot on this podcast, but a lot of people like just focus on the skill position players. But this offensive line is pretty beat up for the Dolphins. And it is an offensive line that has been – with all five starters on and off of the injury report over the last couple of weeks. And so for a Ravens team that doesn't get much pressure as it, as it is right now, like having a banged up offensive line might actually help them get a little bit more pressure on Tua than it is already. And we know, yeah, they have been very, very good at getting the ball out of Tua's hands very fast, but that's been with Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the field all season long. Right. I mean, now we're talking definitely no Waddle, a hampered, Tyreek Hill and I just don't know if the offense functions as smoothly so with that I went with the Ravens at three based off of the Dolphins offense not being able to produce at the level that we've seen over the course of the season if that is to be the case I think it's the right side if we go out here and Tyreek Hill is you know they throw it to him 18 times in this game and he catches 14 of them for 178 yards or something like that then you know, the handicap goes goes out the window. But I just, I think that it's not the Dolphins that we know and love that's heading into Baltimore this week. To, to put something contextually to that, after Waddle went out, second half last week, once they got Tyree Kill worked in, he had seven catches in the second half against Dallas last week. So I do think there's at least a path if you're thinking about the way to play Tyree Kill. The other thing I'll mention is, if you want something a little longer shot, same thing I just said about Josh Allen, Matt, you talk all the time about how you want to see a clear path to an MVP vote. It's right there for Tua in the next two weeks. Yeah, He's going to have the opportunity to play his way to an MVP, and he's 10 to 1 at the moment. And so I think that price is a little high for a guy whose path is as clear as it is. Yeah. Hey, can I add a prop here real quick, too? Adam Shoot. talked about the potential rushing advantage here for Miami. I don't understand why you can still get plus money on Raheem Mostert to score a touchdown. He has 21 touchdowns this year. He scored in like all but two games this year. Like Christian McCaffrey's basically done the same thing. He's minus 200 every week. I don't understand why Mostert is plus money to score a touchdown at this point. No, I think that that's no, I think that that's fair for sure. Um, we know when they get inside the three, I mean, he's just, he's just the dude, right? He's the, he's the dude that they call on. So I don't hate that one at all. Steven good find there Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks we finally get to the afternoon window yes they always welcomed 10 early games and three afternoon games what are we doing here I mean geez, <laughs> we, 10 early but games it doesn't even fit in the octo box for, Dude, for Scott Hansen. I have six televisions and I'm going to have to pick and choose games that should not be the case like that, sh- I should never have to pick and choose games when I have six televisions. But instead, I'm going to have to do that. Just absurdity at its finest. Anyway, Steelers and the Seahawks. This is three and a half in favor of the Seahawks at home over the Steelers. It is going to be Mason Rudolph for the Steelers in this one. 41, 41 and a half is our total. Steven, what do you see here as the uh, Steelers cling to 
keeping Mike Tomlin where he could have a winning, a winning, you know, the, the winning streak continues, you know, for all that. Cause I don't know if you heard that before Mike Tomlin, you know, no, no losing seasons. So I don't know if you heard that. Before. Yeah. And yeah. reportedly a time or two. Contract, yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, heard it a few times reportedly in contract uh, extension negotiations mm-hmm. too here as we speak, because he's done such a stellar job this season. Um, really two teams I was trying to not bet on this week and they happen to be playing each other. And I landed on Pittsburgh, my uh, Pittsburgh plus three and a half here. And I, I understand I, I wanted to sell Mason Rudolph off that performance. Like that's, that's not Mason Rudolph. The Steelers have had two good offensive games essentially all year. And it's been against Cincinnati both times, but like, I feel like Seattle is just like the mirror image of Pittsburgh this season. They they're just, they're not as good as what their record says. And I think this is at least a really good matchup for the Steelers run game. And we know that they're going to want to run the ball a lot with Rudolph still at quarterback. And the Seahawks are 30th in rush D by EPA and 24th by success rate. So I think they can keep this game close. Seattle's got at least a couple of banged up players of importance on the injury report here. I thought the hook was too much here for Seattle. This is just not a team I want to bet to win by more than a field goal ever. Yeah, it is quite a lengthy injury report. Now, we are recording this on Friday morning, West Coast time, so we are not going to get the Seattle news here as to what happened on Friday, but certainly something to dig into because they had a ton of guys listed on their injury report this week, so be sure and check that one out, Adam. um, You know, look, what is Mason Rudolph comparatively to Pickett? To me, I was so, y'all know what I think of Pickett. I've been so incredibly down on Pickett that I don't really think that there's much of a difference between Rudolph and Pickett at this point. I do think, though, we should, and, and Stephen, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. You didn't want to bet the Steelers. It was just you think that the hook is too much. I, I do think what we should at least a little bit understand here is like the numbers are at least minimally deceiving, right? I mean, we have Pickens who there's a hundred, there's 290 passing yards for Mason Rudolph, 195 of those went to Pickens. And that happened on four catches, right? I mean, that's just like not sustainable. It's, yeah. it's, you know, the Bengals well, defense is gross. Yeah. Period. I mean, it's, it's every, every yard, but 95 of them went to Pickens on four catches. Right. I mean, that's just, again, something that's not sustainable. So just don't, don't just blindly go to the box score, Mason Rudolph. Be like, okay, seven to twenty-seven, two hundred ninety yards, two touchdowns. That's pretty great. Well, I mean, it is, but let's also understand that there was an eighty-six-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens, and also a sixty-six-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens in that game. Again, not repeatable very often. Um, Adam, what do you see here in this one? yours the rocket ship is is. launching it heads to the sun holding mason rudolph kenny pickett drew Locke, and and all of the coaches in this game i don't want to talk about mike tomlin i don't want to talk about pete carroll everyone's on the rocket ship we'll see you at the sun i i I like it yeah this one it's not it's not gonna be a fun game no matter which side you're on like it's just like it's not gonna be a fun one to watch there's no doubt about that one but steven i think weirdly enough if i had to play it i'd probably take the hook but i i you 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 have a stronger stomach than i do i just can't can't do it when mason rudolph throws the four picks this week you're gonna be like what the hell did i do 
what, conservative. What, 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 yeah, and conservative I am not. But there's yeah. only three games in the four o'clock window, Matt. So like, that's true. Guys, I know, me. I know. I mean, this is just what 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 are we doing here, NFL? Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is six and a half across the board in favor of the Chiefs. We have come off of the key number of seven, where we were sitting even earlier today on the Chiefs. Forty three and a half to forty four is your total. Adam, we are getting some of the injury report stuff start to trickle in. Jamar Chase is officially listed as questionable in this game. Isaiah Pacheco officially listed as questionable over on the other side of things. But Legereus Sneed is listed as questionable. We know he is their best corner by a long shot. Donovan Smith on the offensive line and Kadarius Toney are out for the Chiefs this week in this one. What say you? So the same way that when Justin Jefferson came back a few weeks ago, we were all in on Justin Jefferson alts, and we kind of got screwed by the fact that he got hurt early in the game. That is how I feel about Jamar Chase this week. I know he's not officially in. His shoulder is questionable. His mouth is a full go. And (laughs) I don't think that Jamar Chase is saying the things that he's saying about the Kansas City secondary if he's not planning to play in this game. And the one guy he mentioned, the one guy he thinks is good, is Legereus Sneed, and he's not going to play. And so when you look at Jamar Chase right now, uh, you can alt your way any way you like here, but you can play 80-plus yards at plus 195. You can play 90-plus yards at plus 285. You could play 100-plus yards at 4-1. to one. Don't be too thrown off by what happened with this Cincinnati offense last week. I think you're looking at a team that still is going to be able to move the ball effectively against Kansas City. Uh, if you made me play a side here, it would be taking – there are still a couple of sevens on the board available out there. If I could take that seven, I would take that seven with Cincinnati because I feel like here in week 17 is going to be the point where I finally have to admit that I got to come down on Kansas City. And and, and I hate the fact that I'm going to do this at all with Mahomes. But if you can lose the game that they lost last week in which your defense allows nine completions – and 63 passing yards, you can lose any game. And this Cincinnati offense is a lot better than what they just saw last week with the Raiders. So I would prefer to go about this with Jamar Chase. P.S. If you're playing it straight with Chase right now, uh, sitting 58 and a half on his receiving yards, that's an over. Yeah, everyone knows I've been screaming from a mountaintop also about the Chiefs on this podcast and how they're just not as good as everybody says. I think finally we're we're getting to a point here way late in the season. People are are starting to to come around to all that. That being said, if there's no Tony, nobody else is any good. Like, Kelsey has to be the recipient. I, I, I mean, Kelsey has to be a dude that you would be looking at here. I mean... You can play alts at plus money on his receptions at six and a half. Like, if they have any success whatsoever, it would be shocking to me if Kelsey was not targeted a dozen plus times in this game. If he is not able to get seven or eight kind of high percentage catches along the way, I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to play the narrative game here and all that. But like, you know, y'all heard, y'all saw the stuff cussfield rant and the how bad that they're playing and how he needs to step it up etc etc so you can take the walk down narrative street but this is more of a hey who the hell else is Mahomes going to throw to in this game other than Kelsey if you don't want to go the receptions route his yardage total is pretty much universally at 63 and a half 
that seems kind of low as well, especially if I think that the volume he's going to get is going to be there. So kind of an alternate way to uh, to look at this one. What, what say you, Steven? I'm going to bet the over. And we are at 43 and a half at one shop, 44 across the board. I may just pull the trigger on that 43 and a half. Bengals games working backwards, total points. 45, 51, 48, 65, 16 to 10. And that was Browning's first start. And then before that was Burrow games, but a lot of overs there. The point is the Bengals defense if you strip out garbage time is dead last in the league by EPA. They're a dead over team. <laughs> I love that Jamar chase is talking smack. He's coming with his a game this week. Uh, this to me is another over bet for me in this one. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's uh, going to be an interesting game because th- look, <clears throat> Kansas city, you're home. You're getting a defense that can be had. If you can't rebound, from what's going this on here gotta be the get right spot yeah i this is this is where we really are gonna have to start questioning the chiefs and their viability as we head into the playoffs los angeles chargers and the denver broncos this is three and a half in favor of the broncos and we know what happened it is now going to be jared stidham russ has hit russ is on the bus but he's gonna be on the bench and uh, it is it is interesting that this thing fell as much as it did, in my personal opinion. A game in which I thought I would have absolutely no interest in at all now becomes at least mildly interesting on the Broncos' side of things at the three and a half because I don't know exactly what the point adjustment is from Russ to, to Stidham, but I don't know if it's two and a half points. And so that's kind of interesting to me coming off of the six all the way down to the three and a half. Not in the account quite yet. Certainly want to hear what you guys have to say on this one. 36 and a half to 37 is our total. Anything here for you, Steve? You had the same handicap I did. Uh, Russell Wilson stinks. And you said he's on the bus. I would argue he's been thrown under the bus with the way he's been talked about this week like Sean Payton reportedly now can run the offense how he's always wanted to run the offense like that that is like throw him way under the bus uh I'm kind of optimistic about Stidham he's been pretty decent if you look at his advanced metrics at least in the games he played with the Raiders last year which I remind you was with Josh McDaniels as his head coach and even then he still was fairly successful among those quarterbacks. So um, I disagree with the line move here. I'm still que- I, I'm just hoping we somehow get back to a flat three. If we don't, if I have to pay an expensive three, I'll do that. And even if we don't get there, I still might just lay the three and a half here because this, I mean, the chargers don't give a damn at this point. Keenan Allen's probably not going to play again. So like, what are we doing here? Yeah. It, it just seems like a little bit of an over, correction in my opinion that said who knows maybe stidham is just and the locker room hates russell wilson like yeah, they're going to get up to play with stidham nah, I would nah, everyone hates russell like that that is for certain we know that for sure like no one no one no one likes him so maybe yeah maybe so adam what do you see here uh chargers broncos anna kornikova maria sharapova every ova that you like on jared stidham should be what you're looking at this week You've seen what Sean Payton thinks of Russell Wilson. You saw it in Detroit on the sidelines. You saw just how much of the entire locker room who hates him the most 
Sean Payton hates Russell Wilson the most. Sean Payton is going to go out there this week and he is going to show to everyone that he believes that any quarterback could do better than what Russell Wilson is doing for this team. And he is going to force feed everything into the passing game against this Chargers defense. Currently, you can get over 200 on Jared Stidham's passing yards. You don't even have to like Jared Stidham with a respectably decent offense for the Denver Broncos to get there. Passing touchdowns. Over one and a half is plus 154. Plus 154! 27 and a half is the passing attempts number. 17 and a half is the passing completions number. Over on every single one of them because this is a functional offense. Russell Wilson was a functional quarterback. It's just that everyone hated him. And now Jared Stidham came in last year in relief of Derek Carr in exactly the same situation in Las Vegas. And in the first game that he played, he went against the San Francisco 49ers and the Raiders put up 34 points. Now he struggled the next week against Kansas City to be expected. This Chargers defense has been better than they were early in the season, but still is not great. Sean Payton is going to give every good play, every opportunity, everything to Jared Stidham this week just to jam it directly up the place <laughs> where Russell Wilson rides. Yes, it is. It Look, I, I, I was planning on playing him in the contest anyway. Um, maybe it ends up just being a, a straight play for me. Like I said, I don't think we're going to get the three. Steven three would be amazing. I don't think we're going to get it. So I, uh, that was such an awesome rant that I just same game parlayed all of the Stidham overs and got like close to five to one. Amazing. There it is. There it is. See, making bets here while we're, while we're live. All right. Final game of the week, Sunday night football. It is the green Bay Packers. It is the Minnesota Vikings. This is now anywhere from pick all the way out to two in favor of the Vikings. 43 and a half is our total. Adam, uh, it seems like some books had betters react to the news that Jaron Hall was going to start for the Vikings. And it seems some books, the betters didn't care because we stand pat from where we were before the news came out. We also get the news that at least we don't have, we don't have official injury reports again as of this time, but Christian Watson would not seen at practice for the Packers. In this, we talked about how there might be some other teaser options this week. It's a scary one, but Packers could be taken up to seven and a half or eight. There is a one and a half. There's a two out there. So you could do that. Uh, if you don't think the fifth round rookie led Vikings can win at margin, what do you think here on Sunday night football? What in the holy hell is Kevin O'Connell doing? Seriously, I this think, team is still I think in the he's playoff trying to make race. I, I, I think he's trying to make excuses to where when they don't make the playoffs, he can say, well, yeah, but look what I had to do at quarterback or whatever. Like, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Kevin O'Connell is the NFC's Brandon Staley at this point. He is fake sharping his way all the way through this season. He is going to put his fourth starting quarterback on the field. I don't care if it's Josh Dobbs. I don't care if it's Nick Mullins, but I do care. Fitzgerald Reed, because I don't believe that you're putting your team in the best position to take advantage of this Green Bay defense. So, Matt, you made a great point on the teaser. There's only the one other teaser leg that I really think is playable this week when you talk about Atlanta. 
going up in a Wong situation. And you could play Green Bay here as well. But let's just make one thing very clear. We have watched Kevin O'Connell make terrible in-game decisions. We have watched Kevin O'Connell make indefensible decisions about who he starts at quarterback. This time next year, we are going to be talking about Kevin O'Connell the exact same way that we talk about Brandon Staley. He he certainly uh, he certainly has made me scratch my head over the last month of the season as well, and that was just uh, you know what he's doing here. What he's doing is is because he moved off of Dobbs because he didn't want Dobbs in the he made that pretty obvious right that he didn't want Dobbs in the first and he moved off Dobbs and so now it's a pride. It's like I can't go back to Dobbs because I said Dobbs wasn't good enough, and so it's like no, I'm going to move on to my fifth round rookie, even though I'm still in a playoff race. Just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Steven, what do you see here? It's it's pretty interesting. There is a two still available all the way to picks, and these are all at major books that have a lot of volume. So they're just uh, differing opinions out there in the market. I would be absolutely stunned if the Vikings are still a favorite in this game come kickoff. Like, how can Jaron Hall be favored in an NFL game at this point? Plus TJ Hawkinson on IR as well. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I... On a normal week, I would bet the Packers money line here and not even think about it. I have a futures on the Packers win total over seven and a half wins. I need one more win to get that. So I'm not going to bet it. I basically have the same thing right now. But like, I I don't know why the Packers wouldn't be favored in this game with Jaron Hall at quarterback. I know that the defense has been bad, but. This this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever why the line is still sitting where it is. Uh, One quick thing here. Uh, I have spent the entirety of this season since I saw the name Jaron Hall. I have called him Jaron Reed from the absolute jump. I don't know why this is. Maybe it's because in this game there's Jaden Reed as well. But apologies yeah. for uh, for that. Well, he's like pulling the Willis Reed, right? Like he's going to come in and, and <laughs> save the season. To all the Jarens and Jalens and whatever, whatever, we apologize. To all you Jarens and Jalens and everything that's going on out there, we apologize. To all of you guys. Yeah, I have some win totals on the line as well this week. So I'll kind of be I'll kind of be hoping. I had an alt over on the Seahawks at nine. That looks like a at least a push. Uh, so that feels pretty good. I had an alt over on the Cowboys at eleven. So there there's a lot of uh there are a lot of numbers that are out there for me that are still lingering from a win total standpoint. Hey Matt, one last point on the Packers too. It, they they are very motivated still. If they win this game, I think I saw they have more than a 60% chance to make the playoffs. So this isn't like dead team walking by any stretch of the imagination. This is very much a motivation spot for the Packers too. And if you were with us early on, if you're not just watching the clips of the games and you're watching the entirety, uh, also the reason why I am begging the Arizona Cardinals to lose these last two games is my alt under three and a half, which I thought was dead as hell at the first of the season, is still alive with two games remaining in which they should absolutely lose these games to keep their draft position. The alt-under on the three and a half, I had already, I'm glad it's a virtual ticket. I'm glad it's a digital ticket or I'd have torn the damn thing up, but I'm glad that I uh, I still have it in the account and hopefully that gets home as well with all of these. But guys, it is, I cannot believe it is already week. 17. I cannot believe we only have one more week of the regular season. Of course, with um, as as usual, you know how this all works. They're going to do the scheduling and they're going to do the yeah. I don't know when we're going to get lines. I don't know how this is all going to roll out with the sports books and whatnot and how they decide to go about all of that. So 
Um, as far as like early lines stuff that we typically do here on the channel, maybe the lines will be out, maybe they won't. So just kind of understand if things are delayed a day or something like that, that these books might not roll out full, uh, full lines and stuff until they get a, a complete schedule and kind of figure out how everything's going to play out. So just uh, continue to check back. You, you can also just be notified every time we post something, you've hit the little bell here on the channel over on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button. Everything we do absolutely free. And if we get to 50,000 by the Super Bowl. We're going to do a big giveaway, so you might as well do it. It's free, and you'll be a part of all of that. If you want to continue the discussion all the way up to kickoff, upper right-hand corner of thelines.com is our Discord. That also is free. Get in there, chop it up with not just us, but the uh, community as well, and see if you can pick up on something that maybe you want to get in your account this week. For Adam, for Steven, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your Week 17 bets.